KitchenTableNews.com. Weekly Review Podcast. Let's get it. All right, bud. So we draw first. The pod, yes. Let's do it. All right. Okay. What about this, like, whole, like, fat acceptance thing with Duff? Oh, dude. Have you seen the video? I haven't, no. No. I'm glad that you did because I, I don't know anything about this, so I'm ready so, for you. So to... what's her name? Let me look it up. Okay. Essentially, it's this big girl that was a BLM activist uh-huh. in uh, the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. She got some other girl kicked off of campus for 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 taking something she said and and kind of amplifying it. Right, right. Whether it was meant the way it was or not, it, it doesn't really matter. Right. Let me find her name real quick. Uh, Ziana Bryant. Okay. Did a video, and she said. My belief is that we should center the voices and experience of the most marginalized people and communities of all, at all times, excuse mm-hmm. me. And how I take that is, if you're taking the fringe of the community mm-hmm. and saying, that's the guy we need to give the microphone to, right. that's a recipe for disaster. Right, right. And so she's, I mean, it, there was a lot of like, I guess, fat acceptance involved with that too, right? Like, is it... Yeah, and she's she's an egregiously big girl, and it's yeah. it's, it's not big picking gal. on her because I'm 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 too fat. Yeah, too. I'm not the skinniest guy either. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm not asking people to to celebrate me for being overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, she she is she she wants you know the the airport to give her a free first class ticket just right. because she's heavier. Right. I feel like it used to be like especially when you look at ads back in the eighties, like seventies, eighties, nineties. It was like they had like super fit, you know, like best looking people to promote the products. And then somewhere along the line, 20, 30 years later, it's like the opposite of that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really know how to, if that's a good thing, because you want to make people feel like everybody can use this product. But at the same time, too, it's kind of like, I feel like we need to you know, kind of promote the best of the best. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's your Planet Fitness versus your Gold's Gym. Yeah. yeah. Planet Fitness says come as you are and stay as you are. Mm-hmm. And other gyms, you know. Yeah. Make you feel bad and you get better. <laughs> that's right. That's right, yeah. Free donut and pizza day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you, hit right. the, you hit the elliptical for 10 minutes and you earn yourself five donuts. <laughs> no doubt. No yeah. doubt. It's kind of crazy, too, because it's like, I don't know, I feel like that, at least in my mind, like, we should all be trying to be the best that we can in, like, every facet and area of life. And I just don't see how, like, promoting, you know, saying that it's okay to be obese. I think it's good to say if, if you are obese, which, you know, technically BMI-wise, I'm obese, right? But I think if you sit here and say, okay, I'm obese... I accept that I'm like that. I feel like, though, that there should be something inside of you that says, I want to get better. Even if you were, like, the CrossFit Games champion or Mr. Olympia or, you know, if you were Tom Brady, right, it's like even though you're at the top in the pinnacle of where you're at, like physical fitness-wise or your sport, I still feel like there's something inside of you that says, I can be better. And the whole fat acceptance, like – you know, obesity promotion thing, 
is kind of like the exact opposite of that. It's just like, well, I'm going to accept where I am right now. And I don't think, you know, you obviously don't want anybody to, you know, like take their own life or whatever. Like if they are in that position and they get depressed and they get discouraged, like I think the encouragement should be or or the message should be like, okay, you – you are where you are physically, right? But you can get better. And that goes for anybody. That's if you're obese or if you're Mr. Olympia. Like, you can be better. Right. You just you can't, can't celebrate the bad behavior. Right. Right. You always there, there always should be somewhere where you're like, I can be better than I am right now. And I feel like the whole, with a lot of these, these ads like that, that they're just kind of sending the wrong message. Well, even a, a lot of other models, even if they're not bigger, they mm-hmm. just promote models that aren't attractive anymore mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't really know what I'm curious to know I mean a lot of these people that are doing these marketing campaigns for these these companies just like I don't know I feel like we had you know something good going on like I said back in the 80s and 90s where it was like you know who was it who was the Pepsi girl Cindy Crawford <laughs> I know who she yeah. is just from the yeah commercials. I mean it like back then it was like you had Cindy Crawford yeah. like on the, on the Pepsi commercials, you know. And now it's just like, you don't know who you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's about to pop up on the TV. Um, so I, it, it'll be, I'm, I'm interested to see where, you know, it'll go with, with this. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, what Dove did with this isn't nearly as extreme as what Bud Light did. And you know, a lot of you people know? are comparing it. They're right. saying that there's going to be a boycott and, and Dove will be the next Bud Light. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. I don't see no, it. No, there's no way. Because one, it's, yeah. it's not egregious like what Bud Light did. Mm-hmm. And two, Bud Light has a market share that's your your standard frat guy. Right. Dove does not share the same right. customers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. Most frat guys probably aren't, like, genuinely concerned about what Dove is doing. They're, they're going in the Dollar General looking for, like, the five-in-one shampoo. And body Swab that. Yeah, yeah, I want to get my shampoo, conditioner, Toothpaste, yep. air gel, ten and one, ten and one. So, all right, well, cool. What's Ready next? for the next one? Let's, yeah, let's let's dive into it. Let's see what this one is. UAW strike. So United uh, Auto Workers strike. Yeah. What you know about it? This one is interesting because this is yet another one I haven't really read into, but I, I kind of know the general idea of it. I, I do know that obviously it's a strike, right? I mean, well, it just became one yesterday, I believe. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, right. I, I believe they were in negotiations between the United Autos Workers Association, which is basically the union that all the car workers are in mm-hmm. in the U.S., versus the, the big three companies, and that's uh, GM, Ford, and it's mm-hmm. not Chrysler anymore, some some mm-hmm. other name. But, yeah, they, they couldn't get to a deal, and, and now they're on strike. Wow. That's interesting because the thing about strikes, especially like big, like, publicized ones like this you know I feel like in when I was in U.S. history in high school like we used to read about like these huge like worker strikes used to happen like in the late 1800s and early 1900s so it's interesting that we're like seeing these like national headline type strikes happen again Um, and it's I think it's kind of interesting too because I think it's kind of like which I, that relates probably to something else we might talk about later with the remote work, but I feel like it kind of overall was like, um, is, is the, I guess, the external work of like how internally all kind of 
the whole labor force feels right now. I feel like a lot of people are like not satisfied with their jobs, not satisfied with their pay. So whose side are you on? I don't know. I don't know. I I haven't read into it enough to to really know exactly 100% what's going on. Um, I just think it's interesting that, you know, this is something that's, you know, coming back around, especially, you know, like I said, when you see all the different labor strikes and everything that happened, you know, hundreds of years ago, and then it, it goes to show you that nothing truly really, like, changes. Like, employers make decisions, you know, whether those decisions are in the best interest of the employees or the company as a whole, and then the em- employees react, they strike, you know, they make their voices heard. Um, I think it's, I think it's cool how we have the ability to do that here in America where, you know, workers can collectively get together and... In unionized states. In unionized states, yeah. Right. And that's that's a whole other conversation about union versus non-unionized states because especially, you know, when when you have trade employees that are, you know, up north in the northeast and they come to work down here and... <laughs> oh, yeah, we, significant difference. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I get it on the employee side of things, you know. Get, right. get every dollar you can out of it. Right. But at a certain point, it becomes not feasible for the employer, and they are mm-hmm. better off to, to ship the jobs overseas. So, mm-hmm. you know, fight for what you can, and but but if you push it too far, you'll end up in a sure enough bind. Yeah. And it's interesting that um, the next one that I just pulled out kind of relates to this. What you got? Um, where we were going to talk about different work trends, specifically the trends in uh, really ever since COVID, how a lot of companies... You want to start with work from home or quiet quitting? Oh, uh, let's do work from home. Let's do work from home. The quiet quitting one, that's a whole nother... That could be a whole podcast in and of itself. But um, the remote, the work from home thing is interesting because like we... A lot of companies started doing it during COVID, Right. Because they like kind of had to, especially if you weren't in like a, uh, what was the technical terminology they used back then? Uh, essential. Uh, essential if you right. weren't an essential business, right? And especially if you did service type work, like office where you could sit at a computer all day, then it was like, well, we're going to have to send all the employees home. And then we figured out, or a lot of people figured out that, oh, wow, we can, some people can get just as much done at home. And I say some because... I feel like some people adjusted to the work from home really good and probably liked it and maybe even got more productive, but I imagine there's a lot of people that probably were not quite as productive. I know me personally, I don't like working from home. Or I do like having the ability to, but I couldn't do it five days a week. I think I could I could like work in the office four days and then maybe work remotely Friday, but I know the last time I had uh, COVID when I was home for a week, I still like worked during that week. I couldn't stand it. Oh yeah, I could not stand it. It was I. I like being in an office, me personally. And you know, I don't see how. You, you know, right now I, I could work from home and and, and be productive and, and get my job done. Mm-hmm. But you're losing the informal training of your next generation mm-hmm. of worker. You know, right? If if I don't have somebody coming up behind me in in my normal work life. Mm-hmm. 
then there's no opportunity for me to grow because there's nobody there to backfill that position. Right. And if they're working from home and I'm working from home, it's not the same as, you know, just stopping by yeah. the, the cubicle and asking an informal question or, yeah. or going to lunch and, you know, just uh, chatting and learning from, mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. Plus, uh, you miss, which, you know, this isn't nearly as important as actual work itself, or work itself, but you miss the just, like, fun office things that you can do like you know if you do holiday parties or you know if you do you know different you know luncheons I I know one place I interned at um, they did these things called lunch and learn every month where they'd have a big like office wide lunch and then someone would do a presentation on like a cool topic that's why they called it lunch and learn and uh, you kind of miss out on that which that's not Nearly as important as the actual like work itself, but it's See, still it is important. It, yeah. That's that's where you build your relationships. Yeah. yeah, and and you know no matter what industry or whatever job it is, mm-hmm. at some point there's going to be a, a challenge there. Yeah, and if you don't have that relationship established, mm-hmm. you know why why is that person going to go the extra mile for you? Right to to get it done at the eleventh hour. Yeah, I will tell you too. I know me personally. I know I learn better. And I feel like I can teach somebody better when um, we use the term at work, uh, when you're in the seat. Mm -hmm. So when you're actually sitting down, like somebody is pointing on the screen and showing you go here, 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 and here. You do this, 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 and this. This is why we do this. This is why we don't do this. I learn better like that, and I feel like I can describe stuff better when I'm sitting here with you like, hey, you need to come here. You need to click this button. You need to use this account or whatever. I know a lot of times people, you know, heck, I, I work in an office, and some of my office mates will call me on the phone, and they'll ask a question, or I'll ask them a question, and after 30 seconds into the conversation, I'll have to say something like, you know what, I'm going to hang up the phone, and I'm going to come see you. Right. Because it's, it's easier for me <laughs> to describe to you in person what, I need you to do or what you need me to do for you. So I feel like you lose that. I I think having the ability to work from home is good, especially like, you know, especially people with like kids and stuff who like, you know, maybe you have a sick kid. Well, you know, maybe you usually come to the office, but we'll let you work from home while your kid's sick, you know, or, hey, something came up. I've got a, you know, I've got contractors at the house today. They're working on, they're putting a new floor in. Okay, well, just work from home, you know. So I think it's good to have the ability to do it. I just, I, a lot of these companies that are struggling to get their workers to come back into the office, I kind of sympathize with because I, I get it from their perspective. It's like, well, you know. You know, one of the, excuse me, one of the downsides for the employees were? What's that? Some people made it very evident that they didn't have a uh, mission critical role in the company. Right. Right. They, they send them home and, you know, deciding whether to bring them back or not, realize mm-hmm. they really don't need this person anyway. Right. And, you know, that, that might be a, a payroll benefit for the company, but, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of rough for the person. And, yeah. You know, you, you want to have sympathy for them, but a lot of times they brought on themselves by, you know, during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Spending most of their work from home, working from the beach. Yeah. I bet a lot of these companies that do strictly remote work, like whoever their IT managers are, it's got to be a nightmare. Every day, because I mean, you have all these people like 
working remotely on, you know, maybe their their individual Wi Fi networks and you know, you have all these, you know, VPN set up and you know, if I know our IT guy at work, he's ninety nine percent of the time in the office and it's a heck of a lot easier if I have a problem with my computer or whatever that I can just walk down and say, Hey, can you come look at this? versus like if I was at the house and he was somewhere else and trying to talk on the phone and figure out what you know what the heck's going on with my connection or my computer or whatever so you know I'm me personally I'm I like being in the office and I think there's benefits to being in the office although I do understand the benefits of being at home too right um so it's it's one of those things I think most companies have to figure out you know what works best for them um and uh you know just see you know, see if their employees, if, if they do want them to come back, you know, and the employees don't want to come back, then, you know, they might just decide to say deuces yeah, no <laughs> be doubt. out of there. So You want to hit quiet quitting? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... So, so what is it? So, and actually, I think this would be good. Let me look up the actual definition of it real quick to see what good old Google says. I, My understanding that, is it's, it's a, a new word for just being lazy or doing the, the bare minimum. It's basically yeah, you, yeah. You, you come in, do just enough to get by without getting noticed. Mm-hmm. And so you basically quit your job, but you show up every day and expect the, the pay from it. Right, right. I think it's essentially, um, and it looks like here I just Googled the definition. I didn't mean to put you it's, on the spot. Oh, no, no. It's all right. No. But... And even before I read off the definition, my understanding of it has always been that it's sort of like, kind of like you said, you, you're pretty much doing the bare minimum at work and not taking on additional tasks or projects, um, whether that's from burnout or from you just don't like the job itself. Have you heard the phrase bare minimum Mondays? No, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think uh, I do that every day. Uh, apparently, you, uh, <laughs> you know, you just want to ease into the week. You know, yeah, basically yeah. just take your weekend to the one extra day. Yeah, and just you know, do bare minimum. Yeah, on well, I'm, I'm sure you've seen those signs. I know somebody at work has one of these where it says, uh, "I give a hundred percent at work." And it says five percent on Monday, twenty percent on Tuesday, thirty yeah. percent on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, the official. Well, I don't. I'm not gonna say official definition. The the definition from uh, Personio.com is that quiet quitting is when, quote, employees continue to put in the minimum amount of effort to keep their jobs, but don't go the extra mile for their employer. So pretty much what we said. It's, just, it's kind of a bare minimum, like, this is what I have to do to still be employed here, but that's all I'm going to do. Um, which I think depending on your relationship with your employer and sort of how you view your work. I'm sure if you hate your job and you don't really feel like you do anything that's meaningful, I'm sure I'm sure quiet quitting has been going on for a long time. Okay. It's just now we have an official word for work because there's always been people that's been putting forth bare minimum and hate their jobs and you know, but now we have a you know a snazzy trendy word for work. I think um, another problem is is when they when they take the bare minimum approach. Mm-hmm. But still expect the the raises and promotions mm-hmm. of the folks that are putting in that extra mile. Right, right. I think too is you know the whole thing of quiet quitting is that you know really in your your work and your career 
if you really want to advance in your career, you can't possibly be a quiet quitter. Right. You, know? you can't possibly expect to really advance and really, really enjoy your job and really get anything out of your job um, if you sort of take this approach. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and it's it's easier said than done. But you know, it, if you don't like your job, then you know. The easy thing to say is, well, go find another one, but that's not always 100% feasible, you know. Right. Um, you know, for various reasons. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting interesting trend that, uh, you know, like I said, I feel like it's been going on for really ever since people have started working. You've been doing it for years now. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah, we just, we like trendy buzzwords. And, that's right. You know, that now is the new rave. I, I get a... Uh, I'm subscribed to this administrative email thing where they send out like, you know, articles like tips for people in administrative type environments, and pretty much every week there's at least one article on quiet quitting. No doubt. Um, so it's it's the uh, the new trend, I suppose. You want to see what's next out of the hat? Yeah, let's let's see what the uh oh the your favorite hat. uh oh Lauren B. Oh my goodness, Lauren yeah. Bober. Yeah, th- this Congress is interesting. Woman. From the third district, I believe, yep. of Colorado. Colorado, yep, yep. This one's interesting because I, I actually just read about this a little while ago. Um, it's just so, from what I understand, is that they were in a theater of some sort. Can, can, can I go on for, with this one? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If you've read into it more than. Well, yeah. I, I haven't, but I felt. Yeah. I, I followed's a loose term, mm-hmm. but I saw it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they said, hey, this girl got kicked out of the, the mm-hmm. theater. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I hope there's some context around this. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, this just looks terrible. Mm-hmm. N- not only for the Republican Party, but for just politics in general. Mm-hmm. For you to have your representatives right. behaving in a certain way. Well, lo and behold, they got video proof of what, what was <laughs> yeah. going on. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, red. It's, it's absolutely just, just shameful. She, she did issue a, an apology today, but... Yeah. I'll let you go into specifics of what was going on. Yeah, I, I do know, I, I read an article about it um, a little bit, or scanned through it, and I do know that the one line that really stuck out was when, I believe she it was she was quoted as saying when they came and got her to escort her out, that she... Don't you know who I am? Yeah, the infamous, <laughs> the infamous, don't you know who I am? And whether you're a celebrity, a politician, whoever, it's never good when you tell somebody... Don't you know who I am? Because it's it's one it's of those when things. When a police officer pulls you over, yeah. You, you, before he ever speaks to you, you remind him, "Hey, I pay your salary." <laughs> that's so, right. That's yeah. always gonna get you a warning. That's that's right. I, I pay your paycheck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's like you know, it's anytime anytime anybody's ever quoted as saying, "Don't you know who I am?" It's never good. Yeah. It's it's never good because it almost and I you know we're obviously not politicians or you know celebrities right so I, I do understand that you know if I was a celebrity and you know somebody came to kick me out of something you know it, it seems like a natural reaction but at the same time too it's like you can't be so you know wrapped up in yourself where it's like it's just it's just being a bad person I mean, yeah there's, there's no there's no yeah there's no fancy word for that right yeah I mean it's you know you were being did you see what she did? 
Oh yeah, she was she was all up on her her date was. Well, she, she that, was, that wasn't what started it, but yeah. that that's the extra embarrassing part. But yeah. Apparently they're in this theater watching like a play of Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. She was vaping. In <laughs> it had to be Beetlejuice of all movies too. Yeah, <laughs> and, and being just loud and obnoxious, and the yeah. lady behind her, you know, asked her to chill out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one thing led to the next, and you know, yeah, they were they were groping on each other pretty good. Yeah. And, and she's going through a divorce, so you know who knows. She's probably going through a, a hard time personally in her life, mm-hmm. but but still being in the the public eyes as a congresswoman, you, you got to mm-hmm. use your brain a little bit better than that. Yeah, yeah. Especially you know everything's videoed and recorded now, so it's like you know forty years ago, there's no telling what wild stuff politicians did 50, yeah. 40, 50 years ago, six years ago when you know everybody had. Everybody didn't have a camera, or you know, they, they didn't have cameras everywhere. But now it's like, shoot, we're probably being recorded now, like, <laughs> and we're not even celebrities. There's cameras everywhere. That's right. And it's one of those things. It's like, come on, you got to be, you, you got to keep, you know, use a football term here. You got to keep your head on a swivel. You gotta, you gotta know, like, hey, if I act this way, if I do this, somebody's gonna record it, or it's gonna, there's gonna be evidence somewhere. So it's uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Well, not to put you on the spot, but, uh-huh. but you did bring up a, another point to this story. Uh, oh her, yes, her dress. That's right. Very very revealing dress. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, you want me to tell you what I said earlier. Well, well about... l- l- let me hit you with. Okay. One question, two subjects, three words. Are they real? <laughs> well, you know. I don't know. <laughs> let's move that's, on. Let's that's, move on. That's one of those things, you know. <laughs> I don't know how much uh, how much money that you know that, that she's making, and how much uh, I, I don't know how many uh, you know campaign dollars are actually going to <laughs> yeah cosmetic procedures. But you know, if I was a donor, I'd be I'd be double checking. Must have been a donation. That's right. That's right. So anything you she got on Lauren? Oh no. No. All right, that, we'll see what's we'll up next. See, yeah, it's, and it's going to be one of those things, too. It's like, you know, it's going to be in the news for a couple of days, and then boom, it's, it's going to be Because it's not important. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's really not, but yeah. it is embarrassing. It, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's see here. What about... Sorry, my handwriting's a little Oh, long. no, you're good, you're good. You should see mine. Oh, the Iran deal. Oh, yeah, okay. You familiar with this one? Not the most recent developments, no. So... I'll, I'll at least give you the the knowledge I have on mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, for a while now, America's kind of abandoned the the public perception of we don't negotiate with terrorists. Mm-hmm. Now we negotiate with all of them. Yeah. Uh, so it started back in the Obama administration mm-hmm. where he traded, you know, five, six, seven um, uh, Guantanamo Bay detainees. Mm-hmm. Actual, I do remember that. Actual remember that. terrorists. Mm-hmm. For uh, Bo Birdall. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was number one. And then Biden continued the tradition with uh, trading Brittany Griner, which was, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a WNBA player yeah. um, for the Merchant of Death. The Merchant of Death. Heck so, of a name. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's really good on a resume if you're going to be a, yeah. a, a criminal. Yeah. Side note about that one, too. I, I think I remember seeing a meme that says something like, this is the only trade... In the in in the WNBA that has made uh, news headlines. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, essentially, that's continued. I, I don't know the details of mm-hmm. any of the the folks, mm-hmm. but we got five prisoners back mm-hmm. that were, assumedly, 
wrongly detained in mm-hmm. Iran. And we gave back five Iranian prisoners, which were, again, probably terrorists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's already a lopsided deal in Iran's favor. Mm-hmm. But just to top it off, we unfroze $6 billion. <laughs> yeah. And granted, those weren't U.S. tax dollars. Those were Iranian dollars. Yeah. But they were caught up in sanctions and oil sanctions. Something, you know, how, how we put the levers of power in. You know, we say if, if you're going to behave poorly, we're mm-hmm. going to freeze your money in these outsized yeah. entities. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, my understanding is the money was tied up in South Korea, but we green-lighted it to go from South Korea to to Europe over mm-hmm. to Iran. Um, but don't worry. We made them promise to only <laughs> spend it on humanitarian It was a pinky needs. promise, too, wasn't it? It was a pinky <laughs> promise. Well, no. The Iranian president came on uh, one of the news sites here in America. Yeah, I think and, I remember saying that, yeah. And uh, he said, no, we're going we're gonna to use it however we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a camera in the back with him, with his fingers crossed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he probably had his fingers, toes, everything was crossed up. Sure, just just give me that money. That's right. Just give me that money. Not only will uh you know we'll trade, we'll do an even five for five trade, but we'll also give you six billion dollars. <laughs> and you know the op- the optics are are what's so terrible about it as well. Yeah. The deal was signed on September eleventh. Oh my goodness. So that's that's bad optics. Yeah. And then today, uh, September sixteenth, mm-hmm. I can't remember the the girl's name, mm-hmm. but it was it was like a women's rights activist died in Iranian custody. Mm-hmm. I believe this is the one year anniversary of that. So, mm-hmm. so just the timing and optics of yeah. it. I mean, the the Biden administration really uh, either didn't put thought into it or mm-hmm. or really just blatantly doesn't care about the perception. Yeah, yeah. I feel like especially with it being because it was five prisoners for five prisoners, right? It was it was five for five plus six billion dollars. Yeah, the the extra six billion was like you ever been to a restaurant where you get the receipt and the tips included. You decide to tip anyway. And then you decide to tip anyways. You decide to just throw on an extra yeah, ten bucks. The tip's already included, but let's just throw on an extra. That I feel like that's what it is. Is we you know we were already doing them a favor. Like okay, we got to even five for five. But you know what? We'll just just because we're feeling lucky, feeling generous. We'll just what's another six on that? What's, what's another six bill? I mean, come on. So it, that's another one of those stories that you know. Like a lot of the ones we've talked about that could come up later, see what different developments happen from here. Yeah, and that's that's one of the scary things is, you know, Iran, they're they're one of the oil superpowers, kind of like Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia, kind of like Russia, kind of like us. Mm-hmm. They, they have an abundance of oil. Mm-hmm. And they're over there trying to enrich uranium. Well, it ain't because they want a nuclear power plant. They got oil <laughs> for... yeah. For a million years, right, right. They they want to 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 send a bomb over to mm-hmm. Israel is you know I'm I'm pretty sure they're in goal, right, right. Um, and you know we we keep playing t ball with them and mm-hmm. playing yeah. nice when we when we should have a a stance of strength, and right, say, right. You know you're not going to do these certain things. Yeah. Can we go down a little rabbit hole real quick Absolutely. about the nuclear energy? Yeah. So interesting fact I did not know until I started. Um, until I saw Oppenheimer twice, okay. mind you, I've seen it twice, and started reading into it. So you kind of know the overall idea about Oppenheimer, right? Like we, he was a guy that was he over made the, made the bomb, the father of the atomic bomb okay. is what they dubbed him, which is just an epic name. Um, I hope it's like on his tombstone, like father of the atomic bomb. I just think that's that's a heck of a name to carry throughout your whole life. 
Um, but so he was over the Manhattan Project, right? And the Manhattan Project started because we essentially were what we thought were up against the clock against the Germans. Because the Germans had apparently, I think it was in the late 1930s, had supposedly started on the atomic bomb, like they were trying to get an atomic bomb. So we start our program, the Manhattan Project, like two years later. So we're already two years behind the eight ball. Like we're already like, you know, a couple steps back. So fast forward, we start the Manhattan Project. Three or four years later, we get the atomic bomb. The Trinity test is, you know, successful. And then we all know what happens, you know, ultimately when we used it in Japan. But apparently, the Germans, somewhere around 1941 or 42, maybe even 43, actually scrapped the atomic bomb project. So, so, from what I read, the German scientists who were on the project during the time, they were imprisoned in, I think it was the United Kingdom, uh, when we set off the bomb in Japan. And apparently, they were shocked that um, we even dropped a bomb because, in their minds, we were still decades away from a atomic bomb. They didn't think it was possible within the current frame, time frame that they were in. They had actually, and how this relates to what we're talking about nuclear energy, they had actually started researching nuclear energy as opposed to like a nuclear bomb. So somewhere in like 1943 or 1942-43, they scrapped trying to get an atomic bomb and actually focused more on getting like a nuclear reactor, like for nuclear energy. So a lot of our like current nuclear energy um, that we use today was kind of rooted in sort of what the Germans started in the mid, you know, early to mid-1940s after they had scrapped the atomic bomb project. So what's interesting is that you know, we thought we were up against the Germans. We were racing to get the atomic bomb when really in 1942, 43, they just scrapped the project. That German so, engineering. I'm telling Mercedes you. Mercedes and BMW. That's right. That's right. The Volkswagen. <laughs> All right. You ready so, for the next yeah, hat? Yep. Let's see what the we got here. The magic hat. Ooh. Vice President Kamala Harris um, unwilling to set a timeline for when she thinks it's too late to have an abortion. Did you see the interview? Oh, I did not see that. So it was an interview. I forget the girl's name. She was on uh, CBS, and, and mm-hmm. I, I believe she's a, a left-leaning uh, mm-hmm. interviewer is what, what I'll call her. Mm-hmm. But was was basically saying, you know, hey, Kamala Harris, um, you know, you, you want to do abortions. Um, w- what is the the timeline that's that's the cutoff? Mm-hmm. And she, she would not answer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, at one point they had a, an awkward exchange, and it was like, you know, people are saying that you want to do up until abort, and she kind of does her, her normal cackle mm-hmm. and says, you know, that's that's ridiculous. But mm-hmm. but when pressed further to give a, okay, well, what's, what's the weak line for you mm-hmm. uh, that we should cut it off? Mm-hmm. Refuse to do so. And uh, that, that's when on Kicking Table News we, mm-hmm. we did an article on that, you know, saying the, the different milestones throughout birth and throughout early childhood mm-hmm. because honestly and I know this is a, a sinister review but if if the milestone isn't um, conception because mm-hmm. at some point uh, life is formed mm-hmm. and a soul's there and mm-hmm. then you're just development throughout right. birth and life mm-hmm. and, and until you die 
Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we can't agree on what that milestone mm-hmm. is, why should we assume it's birth? Right. In the 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 Democrats' mind, or the not just the Democrats, but the pro-choice mind. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's, um, you know, until you can read. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's just like you said. It's I don't think we'll ever. I don't think we'll ever be in agreement with, you know, unanimously, you know, when when life, quote-unquote, truly begins. I know I believe it's at conception. I'm sure that's what you believe yeah. as well. But in the, you know, the court of public opinion, there's, it's kind of, you know, we're at a point where we'll forever until the end of time we'll debate, you know, when life truly begins and at what stage is it then, you know, unethical, uh, you know, immoral to, you know, abort a, abort a child. You know, um, in politics, you kind of, um, it's, it's one thing to, to be a purist and, and, and say, you know, th- these are my, my, my pure ideas, mm-hmm. but it is a, a compromise in, in politics. Right. Mm-hmm. And with abortion, it's, it's, again, a sinister compromise, but, mm-hmm. but let's say it's, uh, Okay, we're going to have a 12-week mm-hmm. abortion ban. No abortions after 12 mm-hmm. weeks. Well, you at least have to admit, um, you know, why is 12 weeks that day? Mm-hmm. What what magically happens at 12 weeks to make the 11-week life mm-hmm. invaluable and the 12-week life valuable? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's one of the things the article really really pushes. And, and it doesn't have a conclusion because it's right. really up to the reader More of a to decide. Question. Yeah. Um, and, and really just... Uh, be thought provoking more or less. Right, right. It's interesting how you know politics used to be, you know, over, like you said, ideas that for the most part were you could sort of reach a compromise on. Um, you know, for instance, um, I look at like uh, you know, like healthcare, or maybe you know something else like that, where it's like okay, there's. A little bit more of a chance that whether you are one end of the spectrum or the other, that there is probably some ground for compromise. Right. Whereas, like, when you look at something like abortion, it's like, I feel like there's no, there, there never will be a compromise on it because it has such strong moral, moral ties on both ends. Right. You know, whether you're, you know, like, I believe that life begins at conception or on the other end where kind of the moral implication is, well, you know, should women be able to choose, you know, to do what with their bodies what they want to do? That it's it's so like morally rooted that it's going to be one of those things that you know, like I said, from now until the end of time, that you know, people are going to have hot takes on, and, and to such an the, extent that there will never they'll it's going to be hard to find, you know, any sort of compromise. What what is going to end up happening is, is that you're just going to have some areas, maybe some states that have, you know, maybe extremely pro-life policies and procedures versus maybe other states might have some radical, you know, some very strong uh, pro-choice type. Right, and, and, and that's what the overturn of, of Roe v. Wade does yeah. for the countries. It puts it back in the, the, the state's hands. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the pro-choice movement, has some very compelling arguments. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, absolutely. On, on, on the side of the mother. You know, you, you take the instance of uh, rape, for example. 
Oh yeah, it's terrible. You never wish on anybody. You you would you'd hope people would be able to get out of it, but mm-hmm. but if if you say that life begins at conception, mm-hmm. and that all life is valuable, all mm-hmm. human life is valuable, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter how that life came to be. Mm-hmm. It, it's still that valuable. Right now, now whether you keep a child once it's born or not, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that, that's kind of another subject too. But right. Um, it just really goes to that delineation point and, and those milestones. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. It's funny how, like, one one moral wrong, like, you know, the act of rape can then cause another moral dilemma. You know what I mean? It's almost like a domino chain reaction. It's like right. the initial, you know, tragic... So you're saying act- put the baby in prison, too? That's right. That's right. You want a little <laughs> orange onesie? <laughs> um it's just interesting um, to, to see how um, that one particular act of rape can then, you know, almost like I said, have a domino effect to where then you have a lot of lot more moral dilemmas and moral implications that follow from that. Um, side note: Have you ever seen a Time to Kill? Have you ever seen that movie? A Time to Kill. No. Okay. And so the idea of it is, uh, I believe these two. Um, kind of like racist guys rape a um, like a ten or eleven year old uh, black girl, and um, the guy that plays the girl's father, which I think is uh, I think it's Donald Glover. I think I look it up real quick. He walks into the courtroom with a machine gun and guns down the two guys that raped his daughter. And then he goes on trial for murdering them, and Matthew McConaughey <laughs> uh-huh. is the lawyer that defends him. Um, but it's it's a really good, really good movie. It's a good, does he get a prisoner or not? He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, it, it's it's a really good movie. Uh, if you've never wild. seen it, yeah, I believe though it's uh, I think it's Donald Glover that uh, oh my bad, no, not Donald Glover, it's uh, Samuel. Samuel okay. Jackson, yeah, yeah, he plays the father. So, really good movie, really good movie. You ready to make a transition? Let's transition. Let's talk about your favorite. Oh, Coach Prime. A little, little bit of sports. Well, we got two two sports. Two sports, segments. right? Uh, we'll talk about together. Aaron Rodgers uh-huh. and Coach Prime. Coach Prime, baby. You know, it's so funny, man, because like for the longest time, Coach Prime, you know it. He can't he can't stay out of the spotlight, man. He's it's always like there's always something with him, like every week, week in, week out, and I love it because he just does the funniest, just like most wild interviews. Heck, when they won, uh, when was it? It was last week. I know a few weeks ago when they beat TCU. Yeah. My man had the the shades and the gold chain. Oh yeah. And he was sitting there saying, "We we keep them receipts. We yeah. keep them receipts." And I I love it. I love it. Um, he, he's definitely a character. He, he's he, a character. Was, he was made to be on camera. Yeah. Would I want him as my coach? I don't know. But it, it's it's going to make it probably one of the most entertaining college football seasons that we've had, you know, in the past few years. Just him. And you know with every win, every win he gets. They win today. I don't know who they're playing today. but Colorado State. It's Colorado, Colorado versus State. Colorado State. Okay. So I assume they're probably going to take the dub on that. But you, you know if they go 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. And then – Obviously, I think the interview is going to be great. 
Well, see, I, I'd love to know what but, the ratings are, are, are for yeah. games on TV. Yeah. Because I've never watched a Colorado game in my life. Mm-hmm. And now, every week, I'm looking up just like, you know, the, the Alabama mm-hmm. game. It's, it's now one of these big names where yeah. you just want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of when, uh, when Tom Brady left the Patriots and went to the Tampa Bay. And how you had a few voices out there that said, and I was actually one of them. I'm, I'm a, I'm bragging a little bit. I said, Tampa Bay will win the Super Bowl. I told my dad this. I told my daddy this, and he, he didn't believe me. He said, "There's no way." But I said they will win the Super Bowl. I feel like this, the same things happening where you have some people are like, Colorado, could they, could they potentially go to the college football playoff? And we'll some see. people I'm, are like, I'm, I'm doubtful right now. Yeah, but. some people are like, no way. But then you know, with, when they go three and zero, when they go four and zero, they are in the Pac-12. It's yeah. not a very strong. It's not like they're going to be playing Alabama or you know Texas. They they could run through the Pac-12, and you know we'll see what happens if they get the, to the playoff where they play some of the they play a Big Ten school or SEC school. But right. They are in the Pac-12. Yeah, and maybe so. It's one of those things where you know. Like I said, nobody nobody thought that uh, the Tampa Bay would win that Super Bowl when, as soon as Brady came, but it happened. <laughs> well, if, if Coach Prime is listening to us, we're uh, we're rooting for you. That's right, that's right. Coach Prime, break out the the shades and the chain for every interview. I and the cowboy it. and hat. the cowboy hat. I love it. Let, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. He yeah. tore his Achilles. He did. He did. I saw a funny meme. It was like uh, it said something like um, Aaron Rodgers twenty twenty three highlights and it was like a five second video of him running out with the flag and then that was it yeah <laughs> poor guy man yeah but you know, the jets are cursed they are they are the jets are cursed oddly enough they ended up winning the game like i mean how cool yeah. was that yeah um i just think it's you know from, from what i heard that's an excruciating injury yeah plus he, I mean, he made it off the field with Pretty good composure. So, I mean, that's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got to be a tough guy. Yeah. And you got to wonder, like, where you go from here because it's like, you know, he's already I'm, – I'm actually looking up his age right now. He's got to be close to his upper 30s, right? He is – let's see here. He's 39. 39 years old. So, I mean, he's got to be the oldest quarterback in the league for sure. I hope he, he gets it fixed, comes back for maybe a season. That's mm-hmm. That's probably about it for him, but – yeah, I, I I do hope he's able to at least come back for that that one yeah. season just to mm-hmm. go down fight. Yeah, part of me would like to see him be like get another Super Bowl because I'm obviously a huge Brady fan and I I hate the Aaron Rodgers Brady comparisons because I just think there is no comparison. But people do make that argument that Aaron Rodgers is the goat. I've heard people make that argument, and I see where they're coming from. What, when they say he's like the goat, they're talking about well, like his actual his mechanics, him as an individual quarterback being far greater than Brady. And to a certain extent, I kind of agree with that as far as like his, uh, you know, his his mechanics, his you know, just his raw talent. I do think he might have been a little bit more talented than Brady, but you know, raw talent doesn't necessarily mean that you're. The, the greatest or the best at what you do right and so I hate the Brady Rodgers comparisons like who's who's really better because um, I think hands down it's Brady but I would also like to see Rodgers get another Super Bowl I think I just think it would be good especially with him being you know 39 40 it would be cool 
to see him get another Super Bowl. Plus, it'd be cool just to see another 40-year-old quarterback get a Super Bowl. Like when Brady Absolutely. won a few years ago, I mean, that was – he was, what, 43, 44? I mean, it's, it's cool when, you know, you have – you know, the NFL right now has got a lot of young quarterbacks. Um, and then you got, like, Aaron Rodgers over here that's, like, been there for, you know, 13, 14 years, 15 years. And uh, – Just a Kaepernick. Shout out for the spot. Really? Oh, he's yeah. back, huh? No, oh, no, he's not back. He, he yeah. said, "Hey, guys, I'd like to come back." And they said, "Yeah, mm, yeah, no yeah." Thanks. I was about. It, it seems like he pops up every now and then. It's kind of. Well, he's thirty-five. He hadn't played in seven. Oh, years. is he that old? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And he was on the bench when he left. Yeah, yeah. They don't want him back. Yeah. And he's problematic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can sell shoes, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about, you know, like Brady. Well. Maybe not so much in the last few years, but like for a long time, Brady and you know like Peyton Manning uh, and some of those other quarterbacks is like they didn't they didn't come into the season with a lot of like baggage, right? You know, like they didn't have anything going on in the off season or in their personal life that was like really a distraction right. per se from you know what they were doing. Um, and like you said, I mean with Kaepernick, it's like you know I don't know if there's many teams out there that really want to take them on, you know, um, just for all the, the baggage, like you said. Absolutely. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting NFL and college season for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm just – I'm personally rooting for Colorado to make it all the way. I just think that would be such – it would just be so funny. It would be a good I, 30 for 30. Yeah, I just – I want to see more just like unhinged prime interviews. That's, that's all <laughs> I want to see. All right. One more piece of paper in the hat. Oh you ready boy. for it? What's it going to be? What's the, the magical hat say this time? Well, we end on kind of a a, a comical note, gluing yourself to things oh, in protest. Have you seen this? I have not seen this, no. I have so, not. Uh, again, we did another article on it on kitchentablenews.com. Mm-hmm. Essentially, um, the environmentalists have taken up a new means of protest, mm-hmm. and it's super gluing themselves to uh, objects. In, in, immovable objects. <laughs> so the the most recent account of it was at the, the Women's U.S. Open Tennis Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some protesters that glued themselves, their feet to the stadium mm-hmm. um, and, and, and caused a ruckus and, mm-hmm. you know, they had to chip their shoes off and whatnot. Right. But uh, got, got to looking and, and it's, it's a trend. Wow. Um, in, in Berlin... And I believe I saw uh, maybe one in Australia, um, one in Spain. I mean, all all over Europe, Man. especially. People are like gluing themselves raw hand, yeah, like epoxy glue mm-hmm. to uh, either the the pavement, mm-hmm. like in in a street to shut down the street, mm-hmm. or um, I believe it was in Brussels. I, I could be lying about the, yeah. the place, but just Google environmentalists gluing themselves to, mm-hmm. to stuff, and and the stories will come up. They like glue themselves to airports, and then <laughs> what do you do? And, and, and yeah. my my belief is one is it's not a very smart uh, method of protest, but two is super short sighted. Right, Imagine yeah. the pain you're going to go through to uh, yeah. E- even if they get you off of that surface to ever get your hand back in in right. working order, yeah. And uh, a couple more just just funny uh, things we we saw them glued to is uh there's also a trend of them gluing themselves to. Uh, important works of art. Oh, okay. And uh, 
there was there was a group of them that had glued themselves to uh, some Ferraris at an auto show mm-hmm. to say, you know, automobiles are bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like our first sponsor needs to be Elmer's Glue. <laughs> Yeah, glue. maybe so. Maybe so. This podcast is brought to you by Gorilla Glue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta think Elmer's and Gorilla Glue right now is like I'd, I'd like to see their financials here. Like, Spike in the sales next, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how do you explain that to your board of directors? It's like, you know, we've seen we've seen a twenty percent increase in glue sales over the past month just from people protesting. And, and you know, the environmentalists, the the the. What they're doing in protest mm-hmm. is getting them good marketing. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't know they're doing any of this unless mm-hmm. it, they did something absurd like they're doing, which mm-hmm. is making us talk about it. Right. But what's the message? I mean, they got our attention, but I don't know what message that they sent. I just saw pictures of them glued to things. Mm-hmm. Even in, when they had signs that it didn't really say anything uh, thought-provoking or anything that made me say, hey, I, I want to take action on that. Right, right. What you should do is... Um, can you do like polls on? You can do like polls on your Twitter. Can you do polls through the? I've never website? tried because that that'd be an interesting poll to put out. Like if you were going to glue yourself to something, what would, what you do? would it be? <laughs> what would it be? What the options? Like would it be like you know on the Green Monster at Fenway? Like, yeah. You're just, <laughs> you're just chilling up there like that, or you know like the front of the uh, if you live in a big city with like you know big buses and all that just right there on the front of the bus maybe that'll be the next thing Spike lose themselves to home plate you know what I would do baseball game I would do the Waffle House sign the Waffle House yeah you pull out a Waffle House and I'm just sitting up there just chilling you know just bringing it full circle Mm -hmm. back to the United Autos workers Mm -hmm. um, how about the employees of Waffle House you don't ever see them striking no I'm telling you man they you know I think that the hardest possible training that you can go through is like the Buds Navy SEAL training. Yep. The second has to be like Waffle House Fry Cook. I mean, I don't know what they do, but midnight like, shift. Midnight shift. But them jokers are built different. I mean, they are just, you, you just never know, which we've talked about this before. This is why Waffle House is still my favorite place to eat, is because you just don't know what you're going to see. You always get a dinner with a show. <laughs> You know, I went to the Waffle House in Southern Pines, North Carolina, and, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a nicer area, mm-hmm. and it was so strange to me. And and the one thing that caught my eye in there is I didn't see any employees with a neck tattoo. It just didn't <laughs> feel like Waffle House. That's right, right. Yeah, this is not a real Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. I, people have asked me, like, you know, um, you know, do you like IHOP or, uh, you know, with some of the other, like Denny's or whatever. Yeah. And I'm I'm still hardcore Waffle House. Absolutely. I want to get one of those what the the T-shirts that says uh, Waffle House Fight Crew. Absolutely. I think that would I think that'd be a good shirt just to to rock at the gym. Um, but yeah, at Waffle House. I'm telling you, they're uh, you'll never see them wanting to work remotely or strike like you Absolutely. said. They are. There's no quiet quitting with them. No. Because they no, just quit. They don't do it quietly. <laughs> when they quit, they say I'm done with this. Like that one night that we had went and. Those two guys were... About to come to blows. Yeah. And I, I think this would be something good for us to talk about, um, was that I think I had asked you, I was like, you know, we kind of had a moral dilemma there because it's like, if these two dudes end up throwing hands, that manager there that night was like five foot nothing. And I just couldn't possibly see her breaking up that fight. So, like, do we have a moral obligation to, like... 
do we just sit back and watch and eat our all-star and, you know, just enjoy the show? Or, you know, would we have actually intervened? What do you think? Because I know it, it didn't actually come to blows, but I just don't know. And that really goes for any public situation. Who are we to stop the show? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Th- these people are paying good money for that all-star. Breakfast That's right. And that, they're getting a show with it, too. So who, who are we to stop it? That's right. I did think it was interesting, though, that night that they uh, they argued, and I think one of the guys was just like, you know, you know, F you, man, F this job, I'm quitting. Walked out, and I thought he had quit, and then you had, like, pointed out in the glass window, was like, he's out there just smoking a cigarette. He just needed to smoke, bro. And he, was, he chilled on the curb for, like, an hour, and then came back in, and, like, they were cool again, so. Yeah. It, it just goes to show you, too, this is something I've talked to somebody else before, is like, I feel like dudes can get in an argument. Or getting like a full blown like fist fight, and then like a day later just be cool. Yeah, like they don't they don't hold anything. Like I remember playing football, and you know like two dudes would just be duking it out in practice, bah, 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 slinging helmets, tearing off pads, and then like an hour later in the locker room they were like laughing. Well, that's about again. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like with dudes you can do that. I feel like when two chicks fight though. Yo, that's for life. For like, life. Don't they, ever talk to me again. They fight one time in ninth grade. Like, they don't speak to each other for... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a lifetime, you know, that's a lifetime quarrel right there. Like it, There is no making up from that. Um, well, Jay, we're coming up on an hour. You got anything else you want to add? No, no, other than I'm just, uh, I'm glad that, that we're doing this. And I think that, uh, you know, we had a lot of interesting topics. And the cool thing about... You know, where we're at in, you know, the U.S., just how our political, how our sports, politics, everything is right now that, you know, I'm sure next time we'll have it even, definitely keeps things even more to talk about. You know, Absolutely. we'll never, we'll never run out of ideas. So, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. So. Well, guys, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, keep up with us and uh, check us out on catchtablenews.com.